Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 4, Episode 22 of Pick 6 Picks. I'm Thomas Cowell he's Greg Kendall, and this is the weekly show that picks apart the NFL lines and helps you beat the book. It's Super Bowl week, Greg. How you doing? Sure is. It is Super Bowl week. Uh, don't uh, don't be sad that it's over. Be happy that it happened. That's right. You know, so there's there's some bittersweetness to the end of it because now all I have to pay attention to is NBA basketball. That's really the only other sport I follow. So uh, <laughs> yeah, that's totally fair. Yeah. yeah, and it's just not nearly as fun to gamble on. If I'm being honest, it's so. it's. The NFL, in my opinion, is the easiest sport to bet on. And I know that's potentially rich coming from a guy that hasn't had the best season. I, I, I'll have to tabulate it up, but I think this will be my first losing season in four years. Um, but, uh, man, the, the, the variance of betting on the NBA is, is so crazy. And then the players randomly sitting games out when you're counting on them playing and you find out 20 minutes before the bowl game starts just too too crazy for me but uh so I'm I'm right there with you um speaking of bittersweet we didn't uh we didn't get quite the super bowl matchup that you and I were hoping for did we yeah yeah it's true um i, I mean the the first thing the biggest takeaway uh and i know i won't be the first person to say this like we didn't learn anything in championship week um you know, KC yeah. didn't play the best game, uh, but still kept Cincinnati at arm's length. We both really wanted to see Cincinnati in there because we think they're, uh, you know, the most fun team, especially right. the most fun team out of those out of those final four. The people's choice. Uh, right. Right. Yeah. They're 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 the people's champion. And then, of course, you know, Philly getting to face uh, about. The if you like averaged it out, it was like the ninth string quarterback because it was right. like the fourth string guy, but also the third string, but uh, with a broken arm or whatever he had. Yeah, going uh, we on. So, we got to see emergency Philly, QB Christian McCaffrey for a couple of plays too. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, so Philly didn't have to do anything, didn't have to break a sweat, didn't have to cover passes more than two yards past the line. It just you know we didn't learn anything. It was basically a glorified bye week. So, um. Coming into this, I feel like there's more variance than there normally is uh, in a in a typical Super Bowl, just because of the you know it's been so long since we saw these guys play. Uh, I don't want to say meaningful football, but saw you know saw them fire on all cylinders. Uh, especially you know each quarterback's got a little niggling injury, so those are things to pay attention to. But all that being said, it's still the Super Bowl. Uh, these are the two number one seeds, the two top MVP candidate quarterbacks. It's still going to be a good game. It oh, just yeah. has to be. Oh, yeah. And uh, and frankly, I mean, we don't see the one seeds both make it to the Super Bowl that often. I mean, it's uh, it's kind of crazy that it happened. Uh, maybe not for Philly so much. Philly kind of had – Philly, in my opinion, wrote the instruction manual for why – in the expanded playoffs, getting the number one seed is so critical. Uh, they got that by, which was huge for Hurst, uh, Hurts and his the health of his throwing arm. And then they get to play a Giants team that they'd already seen twice and quote-unquote upset Minnesota. But either way, I think you and I were both on the side of Philly would have handled either of those teams very easily. 
And then they get to go play the Niners and you know, there's some, there's some fluky injury stuff there. Sure. But you and I were both on the side of, we think that Philly defense is going to expose Brock Purdy. And even before the injury, they kind of did. I mean, it, it, I think if Brock plays that whole game, it kind of plays out pretty similarly. I, I, Obviously, not having a QB impacted the Niners. Um, but I think we see a similar margin of victory, even if he plays, because I think Philly doesn't doesn't turn off, and they definitely did that at points uh, against the various backup QBs. They kind of – it looked like they were going through mm-hmm. the motions a little bit. Um, but also because uh, it was very clear that the de- defensive line was going to get to uh, Brock Purdy early and often, and that's that's how he got hurt. So it, it kind of was just ha- it, just how he drew it up, even if uh, who ended up being under center wasn't quite who he thought. So, um, you know, I, I really think that teams jo- uh, jostling for a playoff position – for years to come are just going to look at this this Philly run and be like that's how you do it that's how you use the buy the buy becomes so much more valuable when there's not two of them i guess is my point there's one buy Philly nailed it and uh, they got a very easy playoff road because of it yeah that's definitely true that was uh god is that the easiest <laughs> road to the super bowl we've seen it's from- it's got to yeah. be up there. It's got to be up there by yeah. Giants and uh, <laughs> the the 15th string QB for the Niners. It's It's got to be up there. And, and a Niners team that, frankly, should have lost to Dallas the week before, too. So, I mean, it, it, they the, the Niners were definitely not playing up to the lofty projections that folks had for them in the postseason, even if they'd got to keep Brock Purdy in, I guess, is my point. So, um so there you go. Uh, before we get into the actual matchup against KC, I just want to circle back a little bit and just give a, a light bitch session to how the end of the KC Cincinnati game went. Um, you and I were both on the Bengals. Uh, you and I, I, I believe, were both on the money line as well as the spread. And while the Bengals never really uh whenever in a situation where the Bengals were leading they just kind of refused to go away and it was a situation that in which i was very confident they were going to win down the stretch and they had several opportunities um play calling kind of bit them in the butt on one and then there was a fairly fairly ticky tacky in my opinion intentional grounding penalty that kind of ended their last drive um and then kc marching down the field uh after after the Bengals punted for that one final time first of all they got the benefit of a egregious block in the back on the kick return that set them up uh past the 40 yard line and then they committed multiple holding penalties that were not called on the final play in which Mahomes got shoved out of bounds and correctly a flag was thrown for roughing I thought but and it should have been offsetting flags. And then the play before that, Mahomes commits a significantly easier, in my opinion, intentional grounding call, and there's no flag. So it's just a, a situation in which it's just really tough to watch the refs only a couple of drives apart 
call one team one way and call another team the other way. I don't I don't see how you can call intentional grounding on the second to last drive of the game, but then swallow the whistle less than five minutes later for the other team in exactly the same situation. Just really tough to swallow. I thought the uh in what was a twenty twenty game, you know, as tight as could be, uh both teams neck and neck. I just felt it was really tough for us to experience the officiating variance there when you know for the entire game those two teams had been so closely matched it does make one or two bad calls really impact the outcome of the game and uh and i thought we saw that i i I, with a different crew different referees i feel like there would have been a different outcome and that in my mind is kind of the benchmark for shitty officiating if you plug in two other, uh, two other officials, not even a full crew, if you plug in two other officials and you get a different final outcome, then officiating fucked the game up. That's, that's just bottom line. So <laughs> tough, uh, tough scenes there. I feel for the Bengals. I feel for Joe Burrow um, and his bevy of weapons. We'll, we'll see what they do next year. I know that I will be putting some money on Bengals futures. That is a team that is not done. They they have unfinished business, um, and uh, and I'm very confident in the trajectory of that franchise. They just need some offensive linemen. That's all they need. Need to build up that stable. Yeah, got to have guys they can swap in and out. Yeah. So uh, no, I mean if I'm if I'm being honest, that game feels like it was about a year ago. I so. know. So far, so far <laughs> off. The, you're, uh, you're bringing back. You're bringing back bad memories. Is all Sorry, I can say. Well, um, well, we don't have to talk yeah. about it. We can we can just get into the game if you would rather do that. <laughs> oh man! So, uh, in case you didn't know, uh, it's Super Bowl week, and KC is visiting the Eagles in Arizona for some reason. I don't know why the Eagles get to be the home team, but uh, KC is getting one and a half. And that is, if I'm not mistaken, right about where it opened two weeks ago. So yes and no. It it initially opened at, uh, some places it opened KC minus one, other places it opened as a pick em. But so much money came in right after it opened that it immediately flipped to Philly is the favorite minus one and a half. So you're right. It's been this number for basically the entire two weeks that we've waited for the game. Uh, but very initially, it looked like the bookmakers hung up a line that the, the vast majority of the shop and betting public felt was slightly, slightly off. Um, that being said, in my opinion, when you're talking about one point lines in football, it really doesn't fucking matter unless you are using a teaser format. Like, I don't care if it's Philly minus one or Philly plus one unless I'm building a tease and trying to get it past seven. That's the only time I really give a shit there. Um, so really, it's Vegas views it as a toss-up. And uh, and I, I think if you look at the matchup on paper, it's it's very easy to see both these teams winning. And frankly, Greg, in the history of us doing this podcast, I can't think of a Super Bowl in which I, in which I was less sure of an outcome. Um, am I wrong on that? 
<clears throat> these are good teams with flaws. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a non that's a non-committal statement. They are you know, the Chiefs have been the razzle dazzle offensive uh showpiece of the league for for many years. And Philly's got that like workmanlike uh defensive identity. They build from those identities, but like the Chiefs this year have been playing a different flavor of offense than we're used to without right. that Tyreek Hill element. Right. You know, been spreading it around a lot more, uh, playing a little bit more of the short game. Philly has an excellent pass rush, but their secondary is kind of vulnerable. So they've got these, you know, fundamental identities, but if you pick at them a little bit, you start to see some places, some vulnerable spots where, uh, you know, a smart coach will be able to exploit those. Uh, and, you know, we've come back and forth on coaching matchups a lot this season. I don't know if you want to talk about that right now, but I am very excited by the coaching matchup that we're going to get out of this. Why don't, why don't we, uh, why don't we start with coaching and then we can kind of go position group by position group and then, and then make a decision. So yeah. Why don't you lead us off with coaching? Uh, I don't know if you know this. Andy Reid used to coach the Philadelphia (gasps) Eagles. Have you heard that? No. (laughs) What? (laughs) Jimmy Graham used to play basketball. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He is uh, an offensive guru. He has been in Kansas City for several years and really blossomed with the arrival of Patrick Mahomes. You know, Andy Reid is is definitely um, known as kind of the, the QB guru, you know, the, arch- uh, the architect of this Chiefs offense and... Um, Really, uh, something of a something of a maestro when it comes to offensive play calling, and it's one of the reasons that uh, Eric Bieniemy has uh, not been hired anywhere else because people look at him and they go, "Yeah, really, Andy, Andy's pulling the strings here." So, um, you know, we we saw it as recently as uh, uh, the the regular season game in which he had all of his players spin in the pinwheel. Uh, before running a play that went for a touchdown that was called back. Um, you know, they they are creative, they are explosive, and it's honestly been pretty admirable the way that they've kind of fashioned a top-tier offense without Tyreek Hill and his departure. And then on the other, uh, other sideline, you got Sirianni, um, you know, former Indianapolis Colts guy. It, it really kind of felt like he was the power behind the throne there when he was in Indy with Frank Reich. Uh, and when he left uh, is, is coincidentally, of course, when uh, Reich started getting exposed. So uh, Sirianni, uh, definitely a capable play caller as well. Um, I wouldn't say that that Eagles offense is particularly complex. Um, they do obviously have the rushing element of Hertz, but uh you know, definitely a guy that can go out and put together an offensive game plan and attack that, uh, you know, it's like Novocaine, as they say, and remember the Titans, it eventually wears you down. 
And really, that's kind of how we've seen Philly make their bread and butter. The first half of games, they throw the ball a ton. I think they were 10th in the league in passing in the first half of the game. And then in the second half of the game, they uh, with a lead, they let their incredible ground game take over. And uh, they're number one at running the football in the second half. And that's just kind of how Philly games tend to go. Um, Kansas City, eh. I mean, we, we see the Andy Reid brilliance. Um, he's done a good job of papering over Tyreek Hill's departure. But uh, the Chiefs are, are much less disciplined when it comes to beating bad teams. They, they, they did lose to the Indianapolis Colts this season, for example. Uh, and it definitely feels like there are games <laughs> where, despite Andy's brilliance, the Chiefs kind of go missing. Uh, whether it's because Mahomes gets overconfident and tries to make a bunch of throws he shouldn't, or uh, the team just doesn't seem to get off the bus and they kind of struggle their way through um, the uh, the game against the Raiders where they were trailing 17 nothing and kind of had to mount that big comeback comes to mind. Uh, but they're confident in the fact that they can just kind of turn it on uh, and rely on the genius of, of Reed and the incredible QB play from Mahomes to kind of bail them out of situations. So that's kind of the my take on the coaching matchup. How's your brain stem? <laughs> uh, no, it's doing better. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I just looked it up. Nick Sirianni's only forty-one years old. Yeah, he's he he kind yeah. of fits into that young, bright bulb. You know, kind of creative mind coach that got picked up as a as an assistant slash coordinator and made into a really successful head coach. That uh, I think guys like Ben Johnson and potentially Kafka from the Giants are kind of falling into in this year's a next year's cycle. So um, it was a really quiet hire for Hilly, for Philly at the time, but I think uh, I think it really fits the archetype of these more exciting teams now. Like, you know, again, Dayball for the Giants is another prime example. A guy that, you know, came in and uh, was that hot assistant that kind of turned a franchise around. So, you know, like you said, it's a really exciting uh, head coach matchup. Do you yeah. do you have an edge? Here, as far I, as as far as coaching, I was waiting for an in to say I feel like the edge belongs to the guy who's been there before. Yeah, I think I uh, think you're you right. Know, yeah, Reed went with the Eagles. He's been back twice with the Chiefs. Won one of them. Yeah. Um, and I do think that that there is a bit of a narrative angle here. That the revenge angle. Uh, some fun facts for you as well. Andy Reid, 3-0 and against the Eagles as head coach of the Chiefs. And uh, and I think this is a big number. He is 27-4 and coming off a bye. And I know this wasn't a traditional bye, but change coming off a bye to, with extra time to prepare, and that is an impressive number, 27-4. and um, You know, he, he is good at scheming <clears throat> shit up for teams uh based on based on matchup. So if you give him more time to kind of work that matchup, he is gonna figure out a way to beat you. So I agree. If we had to make if we have to kind of give an edge here um based on coaching it it would go to the Chiefs in my mind. Agreed. All right, what do you want to talk about next? Uh let's let's talk about uh I I 
I kind of want to talk about these teams' flaws, and you kind of touched on this earlier. Um, <laughs> I had two kind of big takeaways that I want to pitch to you from uh, from watching these two teams play one and a half weeks ago. And and like you said, there wasn't any real lesson to learn, but my two big takeaways, number one, Jalen Hurts doesn't look quite right. And I'm not sure if it's the bright lights of the playoffs. I'm not sure if it's playing against a really good defense in San Francisco, you know, and, and the fact that they've had kind of a quote unquote soft schedule. Um, you know, maybe it's the injury. Like, you know, there, there, there are a, a myriad factors at play here. But I just kind of want to throw that off of you and, and see if it sticks. Did you feel like you were watching season season? Did you feel like you were watching like week 10 Jalen Hurts over the weekend? Like 70% of the time, I felt like it was, you know, he, he was he was indistinguishable from his old self, you know, three quarters of the time. Yeah. There were there were a couple of moments, a couple of throws that came out a little funny. Um, and, you know, it's, it, it is easy to say San Francisco is the best defense they played all season and yeah. just leave it at that. And those guys were, you know, stepping up because they <laughs> knew that if they were going to have any shot in that game, it was going to have to come from them. Um, I, I feel like the, quarterback injury angle is kind of a non-factor i know i'm the one who brought it up in sure. the you know preamble of the show but yeah with with two weeks of dedicated uh rehabbing you know i feel like hurts his shoulder is going to be better i feel like Mahomes' ankle is probably going to be fine so that doesn't really factor into what i'm thinking about these games i i think the one the one thing that I would kind of push back on here is uh, as far as not being a factor, and you're right, he has had that two weeks of prep. Um, Warren Sharp tweeted out a graphic of Jalen Hurts pre and post injury, and uh, it's one of those one of those charts that kind of has the little dots on it to uh, uh, symbolize where each ball went and whether it was complete or whether it was not. Um, I love those. Yeah, they're they're definitely fun. He has completed, and and again, we're we're talking about a handful of games here. You know that he's played since coming back from injury. He has completed five. Uh, excuse me. He's completed three passes outside the numbers to the right hand side of the field. If you look at ten yards, hmm. twenty yards, thirty yards, forty yards, and fifty yards downfield in a little in like a grid format, he is zero percent completion rate on yards of ten or fewer, sixteen point seven completion percent percentage on twenty yard passes, and thirty yard passes he's at twenty five percent, and then further down the field he hasn't completed anything. It's so few passes that it's almost like they've taken it out of the playbook. And I, and I don't know if that's a, I mean, the only thing I could think of is that would be injury related. Like he can make all the throws except for outside the numbers to the right hand side. Um, 
like you know, and completing hmm. only three passes is just a wild number to me. So, um, uh, you know, I mean, he's he's still he's still completing passes, even deep passes. I mean, he had uh, he had that quote unquote catch by Devonta Smith in the in the Niners game. Um, he's definitely hit some forty odd passes on the left hand side of the field. Uh, but yeah, nothing, no, no completions deeper than 20, uh, yards on the right. Uh, and that's inside or outside the numbers on the right hand side of the field. And then only three total completions outside the numbers to the right hand side. Very, very bizarre. And again, maybe that's, maybe that's matchup. Maybe they've faced some really good corners on that side of the field. Maybe it's, uh, we're taking this out of the playbook because of your shoulder. Maybe it's subconscious. Uh, and then finally, maybe it's that's the side that AJ Brown predominantly lines up on. And he's also been uh, kind of banged up as, uh, as we kind of started the beginning of the playoffs. So a bunch of factors, just a fun nugget. I don't really know what to make of it, but um, it did kind of jive with my, my eye test examination of Hertz that was, and I mentioned this in the group chat multiple times, like Hertz has no idea what's going on out there. What's he doing? Like, you know, he looks like he can still run fine. Uh, I, I definitely question whether we're seeing a hundred percent of his arm talent, uh, right now in the, uh, in the injury recovery process that he's in. So I don't know what to make of that, but I thought it was worth throwing out there. And then the other, the other floor for the other Super Bowl appearing team it felt like Casey didn't have a killer instinct against the Bengals. And I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's, uh, you know, Mahomes playing one week off of a, of a bad ankle. I don't know if it was, uh, a chiefs team respecting the hell out of the Bengals and their resilience, but there was multiple opportunities in the first half for them to really blow that game over open. And they settled for field goals on a couple of drives that really left the barn door wide open for Cincinnati to to, to mount a comeback, and they did. Do you feel I, like I did think that was a little strange? It, it, yes. Right. So, so against a, a a tough Philly defense or a defense that that has tough components, I'll I'll rephrase that slightly. Do you feel uh, like? the chiefs have enough weapons on that offense that they can actually go in and, and outshoot an opponent in a, in, in what turns into a, a, a bit of a slug fest. Uh, yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> there you go. You, you want to expand Sorry, on that? That was a very short answer. Um, I, I I'm going to jump ahead to something that, okay, uh, please. Yeah. That it. I was going to bring up, you know, when we got more nitty gritty, um, I'm I'm going to have a lot of Pacheco props. Okay, I I think uh, that this is going to be a game. This is going to be a game where the pass rush is at the at the crux, and Mahomes is going to be hurried. Mahomes is excellent at avoiding getting sacked, and he's got you know, one of the best receiving tight ends of all time. And he's got a sure handed running back that he can check down to. So I'm, I'm looking for a lot of short middle of the field stuff, a lot of dump offs, you know, I'm thinking Pacheco four or five plus receptions, uh, in a couple of SGPs, but yeah, that I, 
I think they've got the the weapons to account for that. I I think if you were scripting, and I I know I I'll give you my take on this as we get a little deeper in the pod, but we do like to kind of gameplay or role play rather how the actual gameplay goes, and I think that envisioning an outcome in which there are a lot of Mahomes check down passes or designed, uh, you know, sending the running back, um, you know, out from the, uh, out from behind the line and, and splitting them out wide and having them run an actual wide receiver route or two. I, I feel like that's definitely in my playbook as a way to kind of beat this Eagles defensive line and pass rush for sure. So, I think you're onto something there. Okay, that's that's a a respectable response. I guess this is as good a point as any to kind of talk about the the running back matchup. Um, both these teams kind of use a three headed monster. Uh, Ceh actually just got brought back off injured reserve for the Chiefs and is supposed to play, so they'll have uh, McKinnon, Pachenko, who you like in this one, and Ceh. And then on the flip side, you've got the Eagles with Miles Saunders as the lead dog, and then uh, a healthy sprinkling of Gainwell and uh, a light dash of uh, Scott, uh, the giant killer. So, um, <laughs> I, it, yeah, and we saw a lot of Gainwell uh, against the against the Niners. We, we saw did him in some big spots. Yeah, we did see a lot of him. Um, do you think either of these teams? has kind of a rushing edge i know that obviously you know if we if we were to go to dvoa or um you know even just the the box score the uh the eagles have a very very good rushing attack but then so did the Bengals, and the Bengals were really kind of jammed up by the chiefs um, part of that I'm sure due to the offensive line issues they were facing, but, um, did you kind of see an edge here for either of these teams? No, this is one of the more evenly matched position groups. I feel like this is going to be, um, I, I feel like both these teams are going to need to pass a lot <laughs> to, uh, to accomplish their goals. That being to hoist the Lombardi. And I don't, I don't feel like either one of them is going to spend a lot of time trying to establish the ground game, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, I, know, I I definitely feel like um, that Philly would like to, but as we've kind of seen, Philly doesn't really turn to the ground game until they're already ahead, and I, I mentioned that at the top of the pod. So um, very, very intrigued to see how this goes. Both teams, obviously, top 10, uh, rush DVOA, Philly all the way up at number one, and KC down at number nine. So both teams can run, but will they is definitely the question, as you pointed out. So uh, that takes us to wide receivers. Uh, I mentioned AJ Brown kind of banged up, but he's uh, he's had plenty of time to recover. The Chiefs, on the other hand, uh, Miko Hardman has been ruled out and put on season-ending injured reserve. Uh, I believe Ooh. Juju is supposed to play. Uh, and then kind of the last man standing two weeks ago was uh, Martez. Uh, oh, I never get his name right. MVS. Valdez, Valdez Scandling. Uh, there we go. Um, he had himself a game, broke, broke a century and had a score. Um, 
I feel like it's a pretty easy Philly has the edge in 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 pass catch. Well, if we're going to include tight ends in this group, I think Casey Casey can hold their own because Travis Kelsey's obviously in a in another category. But if we're just talking receivers, I think it's probably a fairly easy Philly has the edge here scenario, right? Nothing really to talk about. Absolutely, which you know that's a little surprising, but uh, you know we saw or we talked about at the very beginning of the season, uh, you know, Philly wanting to surround Jalen Hurts with, uh, you know, the the best toy box they could. And right. they absolutely succeeded this season. So, uh, you know, it's it's not surprising that they have that. That was clearly their goal. And they went out and got some uh, some good pieces for him. Right. Well, yeah, I, I think it could be as easy as one of these teams allowed a top tier wide receiver one to walk in the offseason. And one of these teams went out and acquired a wide receiver one. So uh, pretty, pretty easy to see the disparity there. But, uh, uh, you know, you mentioned if you include Kelsey in the in the receiver group, that evens the score a little bit for uh, for KC. Uh, I definitely think that's true. You know, we've seen Kelsey be very productive in these playoffs and you and I have made a little bit of money uh, betting on him as a, as a scorer, throwing him in some props. Uh, But it is worth noting that the Eagles are fourth in uh, defensive DVOA against tight ends this season. That was a fun little nugget that I picked up. Uh, So, you know, Maybe maybe leave the Kelsey yardage, Kelsey scoring stuff out of your uh, your same game parlays. Yeah, I I definitely think Kelsey will will get his, but maybe not the uh, maybe not the complete detonation that we've we've seen from him against uh, the other teams so far this playoffs. Uh, he's uh, got had a touchdown in each game, so he's n- he's not been a slouch for sure, but. Uh, yeah, it it could be that the the Eagles defense is able to rein him in a little, and that could be uh, that could mean a lot if they're able to 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 rein him in somewhat. So, um, I guess now it it comes down to uh, the the lines, man, offensive and defensive line. I I think that. Um, this is really what I'm going to kind of probably build. Here's the, th- here's the thing, and it, it goes back to what I said at the top about this being the least confident I've been in a, in a Super Bowl pick in a while. I you can, you can paint a picture and draw a really strong group of outcomes from two truths about the Eagles that could really wreak havoc for KC. One, you, it, this is going to be the best offensive line that they've seen that Kansas City's had to play against all year and it very well could be a situation in which they're just pushed around Miles Saunders and Gainwell combined for like 200 yards of rushing offense and Mahomes gets to throw the ball on like six drives and that's it right Um, and then on the other side of the football Mahomes on a bum ankle is running from his life from a absolutely rabid group of pass rushes like if you're the eagles that's how you win the game but then on the 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 a very easy counterpoint to that would be Casey and this is another nugget that you that you shared and I I want to I want to bring it up here because I think it's relevant Mahomes 
has been really good passing out of 13 personnel. And so, you know, putting those heavy sets on the field to kind of negate that Eagles pass rush isn't going to be a huge problem for the Chiefs because Mahomes is completing 77.4% of his passes, averaging 11.2 yards per attempt and has nine touchdowns and no picks out of that 13 personnel alignment. So um, it very well could be a situation in which the Eagles pass rush is kind of left toothless because Mahomes is getting the ball out quick. He's getting it to his running backs and his running backs are teeing off um, with yards off the catch, which, oh, by the way, the Chiefs are really good at. Um, you know, maybe not on a Kyle Shanahan level of yak, but like really good all the same. Uh, and then, you know, Kelsey's dominating in the seams, you know, kind of beating those those linebackers to get open and, and be that release valve that he's been so often. So those are kind of the two dueling narratives that I have in my mind right now, you know, like I, and it's, 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 this has just been an insanely tough game to try and figure out. <laughs> shine a light, shine a light for me, Greg, be that light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, this is one instance where I feel like, <clears throat> maybe that coaching disparity that we talked about might manifest uh, because you know that on the whiteboard, the first thing, <laughs> the first thing that's up there uh, for Andy Reed is pass rush. You know, yeah, how are we big, going to big letters circled? <laughs> yeah. Red how are we going to neutralize that? And uh, you know, you were right. Those were some fun, fun factoids that we dug up earlier this week. Uh, Mahomes, is only sacked on about 10% of the plays in which he's pressured, which is yep. just nuts. He's extremely elusive and he responds very well to pressure steps up very well. Uh, so that is, you know, in, in itself, just by the very fact it diminishes the effect of a pass rush. Uh, but also, you know, hopefully he'll have a touch of his mobility back uh, and he's got, you know, the weapons to get rid of the ball and not hold on to it. I think the the only thing left for us to kind of break down before we make our picks is kind of the defense. And you, I thought, did a really good job summarizing the Eagles defense. Uh, they've got some good pieces on that secondary, but it's really the pass rush that makes that secondary look better than it is because uh, yeah. opposing, opposing QBs are given so little time to throw. And then... The Chiefs, uh, you know, Chris Jones. I mean, you could, Chris Jones, given the MVP for that game against the Bengals, he really uh, was able to disrupt that patchwork Cincinnati offensive line in a way that the Bills had been unable to exploit the week prior uh, with that interior pressure rather than edge pressure. Um, Otherwise, I mean the 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 defense isn't anything great really for Casey to write home about. Uh, Legarius Sneed has cleared the concussion protocol and will play in the Super Bowl. That was kind of the big question mark uh, I had for the Casey defense when he left the AFC Championship game against Cincy with the head injury uh, and didn't come back. Um, I think you could make a case that Sneed is actually. Casey's best corner, though they don't really have a necessarily a standout. Um, but uh, you know, a secondary that's relatively healthy for Casey and uh, 
you know, Jones potentially being disruptive against that Eagles offensive line could mean a lot um, because this Chiefs defense is very, very good when they're able to get pressure and they are literally number 32 in the league in past DVOA on the defensive side of the ball when they do not get pressure. That's a, that's a factoid that we shared last week. So uh, <laughs> it's really going to come down to whether or not they can get through uh, and give Hurts a, a rough time. Um, unless, of course, I'm... the same Hurts that was very erratic and seemingly not sure of the plays that were getting called from the Niners game shows up because – yeah, there was something going on there. I don't, I don't know. He was confused. I don't know something. But I uh, was, I was suitably impressed by uh, the Chiefs' defense against the Bengals. Yeah, I, I thought yeah, they played absolutely. a great game. And you're right. It was. It all started with the pressure there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was. Uh, can I interest cool... you? Yes. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, can I interest you in uh, Chris Jones plus four thousand for uh, MVP? Uh, actually. <laughs> If I was going to bet a defensive player, I think it's Hassan Reddick, and he's like 30 to 1. Um, but he basically won Philly the game against the Niners. So, uh, dude is an absolute savage and should be an Indianapolis Colt, but Chris Bow doesn't like to spend money on free agents. So, you know, hey, we're, that's why we're watching him play in the Super Bowl from the couch because we're cheap fucks. How did this become an Indianapolis Colts podcast? I'm not sure. Uh, anyway, I mean, you, you got to get your licks in where you can. Yeah. Uh, so I think I think defensively, I think we're supposed to want to say that Philly has this big advantage there. I'm not sure they do. The Chiefs appear to be playing really well at the right time. They do have Snead back, uh, and while they don't have the the full stable of pass rushers that the Eagles do. Uh, Chris Jones and Frank Clark can create some problems, uh, as we saw against the Bengals. So uh, I would say those two position groups are probably, uh, uh, or those both sides of the foot, those two sides of the football are actually probably closer than um, I think a lot of people will give them credit for being. So yeah. I think it's pick time, Greg. We've 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 kind of gone through the position groups here. We've talked about the coaching. We've talked about. Uh, you know, potential flaws here um, for each team. Um, where are you leaning as far as a pick? So Sunday night of Champ Week. As soon as they posted that line, I the first time I fired up DraftKings, I saw KC plus one and a half, and uh, I sprinkled a little bit on that. Yeah. I thought, you know, from what I had seen, I thought KC was the better of the two teams remaining. I thought that KC's win over Cincinnati was more impressive than than Philly's win, and it surprised me to see them underdogs. So I just, you know, snap decision, locked it up. Uh, as we've, you know, read more, picked these teams apart, uh, you're right, it is a tough game to get a read on but i'm sticking with my initial reaction you know the line pretty much hasn't moved since i saw it there uh i like kansas city to cover that one and a half i like kansas city on the money line and i think we are going to see an over in this i'm currently seeing 50 and a half uh, so that's you know 27 24 we could easily see a 27 24 game if we're yeah. picking a score, I'm going to say 
31 27 that's my that's my score oh okay um i again i'll say it for a third time on this podcast i'm the least sure about this out of any of the four super bowls we've picked for this podcast um I'll also note before making my pick that I am 0-2 lifetime uh, in uh, Super Bowls in which Mahomes has played. (laughs) Uh, So maybe third time lucky, right? Um, The more I dug into the game, the more I kind of looked at these. I I, I think I want the Eagles to win as just a fan. Um, You know, I, I am not necessarily sure that I truly believe the Chiefs earned their Super Bowl berth. Um, I mentioned the officiating earlier. Uh, a lot of the comments that Chiefs players made after that game really rubbed me the wrong way. Um, a certain jabroni comment aimed at a politician in Cincinnati was not something that I really appreciated. Um, so I definitely think I'm rooting for the Eagles, but if, everything that I'm seeing on paper is just pointing in KC's direction. I mean, we we talked about the coaching advantage. We talked about Andy Reid coming off a bye um, with a revenge game, you know, wanting to stick it to uh, ownership. You know, you guys fucked up, Philly owners. And, you know, I know that none of the players are left from that time period, but <laughs> he doesn't have beef with the players. He has beef, he has beef with the franchise. And uh, the, uh, the fucking Eagle logo is still on the side of those helmets. So... Uh, so there's a, there's a check in the column, you know, like Mahomes, they have the better QB. I don't think it's a question. I don't think Mahomes' ankle injury is really going to be a big factor after an additional two weeks of rest. We, we saw him moving pretty well. I mean, fuck, he sealed the game against the Bengals with a run. So, uh, so they've got the better QB. Um, and I, I think they're smart enough, like you said, you know, the whiteboard. I think they're smart enough to figure out a way to, to, to find pressure beaters, uh, you know, to get those running backs involved like we talked about. Uh, theoretically, he'll have an extra weapon if Juju comes back. So it'll be Kelsey, MVS, and Juju to go with those running backs. I mean, he's he's got enough weapons, and he's talented enough that he can get that done. Uh, I love – uh, if you're if you're into those player prop player prop builders, I love Mahomes over two forty nine and a half. I love Mahomes over one and a half touchdowns. Th- that should go into any parlay that you build on DraftKings. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, and then and then finally, I I think that there are some question marks about the Eagles that you know have been kind of dismissed uh, by some people that I think are actually deep and lingering. Um, you know hurts his health i i don't feel like he's the same qb i know you you and i might disagree on that a little bit but um either it's a moment is too big for him kind of a situation or it's uh he's just not healthy enough to play with the kind of swagger that he's played with earlier in the year but he just doesn't look like the same player to me right now um and then and then, you know, I it's a lot different trying to sack Mahomes than it is to sack uh, Josh Johnson. No no disrespect meant to my guy, Josh. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think this Eagles team has uh, not really had to face anyone like the Chiefs so far this year. And I think that facing them in a big moment is setting them up for 
you know, kind of a letdown spot here. You know, you would you say this, they uh, they ain't played nobody. They ain't played nobody. That's right. Um, you made a score prediction. I think we're looking at like a thirty-one seventeen kind of a game. I think KC could could run away with it, uh, and I think KC could benefit from um, a Hurts turnover, perhaps, or uh, maybe it's the Eagles having to go for it on fourth down in their own territory late in the game, and then KC tax on some insurance points. <clears throat> but I I don't think this one will be super close. I think the Chiefs can kind of comfortably win it. I think. From a narrative perspective, we're going to start seeing those Mahomes as the new, uh, the new Tom Brady. You know, he's he's on track to break Brady's records for Super Bowl wins. You know, whatever whatever the talking point happens to be. But um, so yeah, I I think with that in mind, with that with that narrative element in mind, I think uh, betting on Mahomes to win MVP is probably a good choice. You can get that at a better value than than. Uh, then you can get Casey Moneyline, for example. Um, but yeah, I, I think yeah. I think I'm I'm not even that worried about the points. I'm I'm just taking KC plus one oh five on the money line. And I think uh I think that's how I'm gonna play it. Well, that's gonna do it for another episode of Pick Six Picks, folks. If you like what you heard or if we make you some scratch in the action this weekend, be sure to subscribe to the pod so we can keep this content train rolling. Uh, we should have some sort of beach house recap show. Um, haven't figured out the deets on that entirely. I might have to borrow a mic uh, from an old co-worker to make that happen. But um, I do want to uh, kind of do do a show from the beach where we either give out some props maybe before the game or maybe it's a situation where we do kind of a reacts pod to summarize the season and the Super Bowl. Uh, but either way... Have fun, bet dangerously, and we'll see you after the Super Bowl.